Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. Amen. Of course, the, I like the theme of, um, of this church for this year about the kingdom. And uh, I can talk about the kingdom <laughs> for years. And that's the truth. Because the only message that Jesus Christ preached was the message of what? Of the kingdom. That's all he preached. He talked about the kingdom. And when we say the kingdom, what do we really mean? The word kingdom is what? Two words. It's for, the two words are king and dominion. That's what it is. Or you say king and domain. That's all it is. And so when you talk about the kingdom, you're talking about a king. And we know who the king is. His name is Jesus. And of course, we know the domain. The domain is not like a physical heart. It is wherever the influence of God is, that is his kingdom. So you can really bring his kingdom to your place of work. You can bring his kingdom to your home. You can bring his kingdom to any situation. It's where the influence and the rulership of God is. And so when you say the kingdom of God, you want it to come. All you're trying to say is that you want the influence of God to come. You want the rulership of God to come. You want the influence of God to come. So when you say, thy kingdom come. So what are you saying is that let the rulership of God come. Let the dominion of God come. Let the influence of God, let it what, come. And so, it's important that we understand that. And, you know, it's like the yeast. Jesus Christ, one of the, when he was describing the kingdom, talked that the yeast, when it's put into the dough, is very little. But then, you might not be able to see it, but you can always see the influence of it. Then he talked about the wind that is blowing and all of those things. You don't know where it's coming from. But whether you know where it's coming from, whether you can see the wind or not, you can always see the influence of the word of the wind. You can always see the influence of the wind. You might not be able to see it with naked eyes, but you can see the influence. And so we can always see the influence of the kingdom of God. We must be able to see it in our lives. Just simply saying that the kingdom of God has come in my life. We must see the difference in our lives. So we can never remain the same if we have been impacted by the king. We must always see that influence in our life. And of course, we talk about the new birth. The new birth is an experience that comes with the influence of the kingdom, accepting God as the king of our lives. Listen, three things. God is God to us because he's our creator. He's Lord to us because he has authority over us. But based upon his relationship, he's a father to us. Because the person he, God, Jesus Christ introduced to us in his message of his kingdom is that he introduced a father to us. And it is very, very, very exciting that we who are like this can have a great God like that as our father. And that's what he kept telling us in the message of the kingdom about a father who loves us about the Father who will do whatever for us. And because we have him as our Father, we have now authority. Because we can use his authority 
because we are his children. Are you here with me? And then, when we say we use his authority, what do we mean by that? Number one, you've got to accept him, number one, that he is your father. You've got to accept him, that he is your father. So when you accept him as your father, then you have subjected yourself to his commandments and his laws. You have subjected yourself to his guidance in life. And if you subject yourself to that, or let me say it like this, that most of the time, if you believe, you, you, you are, what's it called, for you to embrace his word and his commandments, that means you must obey him and you must have said, I have faith in him. Because what you don't have faith in, you don't obey. If you don't believe in the thing, you don't obey. So they can say anything, you don't obey. And because nobody has met God before. But we meet him through what? His word. That's how we know God. Nobody has met him. So his word is what he has given to us. So it is based upon his word that we can have authority. It is based upon his word that we can have faith. It's based upon his word that we can have obedience. Obedience does not come without us not knowing his word. Obedience does not come without us not believing in his word. So how can you say, I obey what you don't know? How can you say, I believe in what we don't know? And so the first thing that he gave to us is that he gave us his word. No wonder the Bible says that he has raised his word above every, everything. You understand? So his word is so important to him because that's how we get to know him. So we can't know him if we don't know his word. I think that's simple. We cannot know him unless we know you. And a lot of times people say they know the Lord. But do they really know the Lord? For example, I don't know what number and what street this building is, but people who drive past, like one of the testimonies says, I saw Agape, and I said I was going to come, into, to, come to this church and worship one day. That's what somebody said in their testimony. But the truth is that when he saw Agape, and he says I was going to come in here and, and worship, he did, if they said, do you know Agape church? You might say, yes, I know it. But does he really know it? When you ask him, you know Agape Church? He said, yes, I know it. They said, how big is the sanctuary? Um, I don't know. Because you've never been inside. What are the things that are happening there? What does the offices look at? You know, he said, uh, 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 but I thought you said you know it. So there is a way you can know a building and yet not know it. So you can know it from outside and don't know the inner workings of it. So many believers know God on the outside. Yet they don't know the inner workings of God and how God does his things. And when we don't know that, we always get frustrated as believers. And let me tell you this. 12 years is very significant. But you've got to ask yourself, do you really know him? Do you really know God? There's a way you say, yes, I know him. But do you really know him? One of the things that the Lord left for us amongst many things since we can talk about everything, I want to talk to us today about faith. Faith is the currency in the kingdom of God. Faith is the currency. If you are going to walk with God, if you are going to walk for God, you must have what I call faith. And we can't deal with faith fully. But I'm going to try and put the skeleton this morning for us, and then we will see where we will go. Because it's so important that we understand that without faith we can't please him. So if it says that anything even we receive, 
that is not of faith is sin. And so we must pay particular attention to it. And one of the closest friends of God in the Bible is a man called Abraham. And Abraham was regarded as the father of faith. And he's the closest to God in the Bible. And what they defined him as is faith. So we must pay attention to faith. In actual fact, there's no way you can operate in God's kingdom without faith. You will just be frustrated with him. Because faith has nothing to do with what you can see. It has nothing to do with sight. And most of the things that affect our lives are the things that are exposed to our five senses. Because you can touch it. You can feel it. You can do any of those things. We've just got to believe in him. And it's a little bit challenging at times to believe in a God that you have never seen. And that's why he left faith for us. And how can a man have faith? Faith comes by hearing. And is hearing the word of God. So if you don't know the word of God, if you separate yourself from the word of God, you will not have faith. And the level of your faith will determine how long and how well you will walk with God. It determines the level of your frustration. The more you know, the less frustrated you are. Because you believe in his word. And when you believe in the word of God, there you can operate upon faith. But it is possible for you to know the word of God and still not operate in faith. Faith is just believing God at his word. Whether it makes sense or it doesn't make sense, you just believe it. Why? As he said it, he's forever said to your word, Lord. As he said it, I know he will do it. So forever, O oh Lord, your word is said. So you stand upon the word of God in spite of what your five senses are telling you. You just say, I know one thing. Though he slay me, I know my redeemer liberty. So nothing happens. You believe in God in spite of. All right. Because of time. There's a passage in the Bible, Hebrews 11. It's what we call where we see the hall hall of fame of faith. Let's have Hebrews 11. Please, I would like to have the screen. My something is not checked. Will I be able to put the Bible passage on the screen? Please. Hebrews 11. Now, let's look at what Hebrews 11 says. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Is the evidence of things not seen? That's even an oxymoron. How can it be a substance of things? Because when you say substance, it means you can what touch and feel. But then it says you still open for it. How can you how can you touch something you are still open for? But it means that you have this confidence and assurance that what you hope for, you have received it. So you might not have received it in the physical. But in the spiritual, you have received it because everything in the physical always starts from the spiritual. So you forever settled because God has said it, I know I have received it. Listen to me, my children, they, they, they told me the other day uh, that they wanted to change their phone. So I told them, don't worry, I will change the phone. They were excited, they thanked me, daddy, thank you. They have not received it. But they believed me at my word. That what I have said I will do, I will do. And it's a product of over the year of me keeping my word. That's why they were excited, though they have not received the food, but they believe they will get it at my word. It's the same thing if we are God's children, it's our father. If he promises us something, we might not have received it physically. But yesterday, my wife was telling me that, so I'm, because I'm going to Nigeria today, he says, 
so the children are not going to get their phone till I come back. I said, no, they weren't. I said, they will be greatly disappointed. I said, if they won't let them be disappointed, when I come back, it's when I will do the phone. You understand? So that delay is going to happen. Like delay happens to us also at times. And in the position of our delay, we lose hope and we believe David God is not going to do it again. Faith is holding on in spite of. Nothing changes what he has said. So he says that, and is the evidence of this lost say. Evidence in court is that this is the evidence. But now they say it cannot be seen. How can it be evidence if it cannot be seen? <laughs> but let's go on. I have so much to say on this. Prayer get halfway. It says, boy, by, by it, elders obtain a good testimony. Continue. Now, it says, by faith we understand that the words were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Simply saying that the things we can see now, they were made from things that were not visible. And that should get us excited. So you go to the hospital and they tell you that this is what is going on with your body. It's a negative news. But you can look at a passage like this that it doesn't matter. That it might not be existing now. But the fact that it's not existing now does not mean that it cannot be produced. Don't let that fly over your head. Look at the passage. This is, we, we, we understand that the walls were framed. So everything that is not existing today can be framed by the word of God. So we can call those things that are not as if they be. So we can call things back. We can call things into. Are you here with me? Into life. So it might not be existing now, but, but believing in the word of God. Because that's how this world came to be. Are you following me? Please follow me. I, I, I have to move very fast. But you'll get this anyway. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> it says, by faith now. Listen to this. By faith, Abraham offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Abraham was not the first man on earth. He was the fourth man on earth. But the Bible talks about him when it has to do with faith. So this is what it said. It said he offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speak. So we look at the first man that was, was mentioned in this hall of fame, of faith. It's a man called Abel. And what they talked about Abel was his sacrifice. It tells me that the first step of faith is a life of sacrifice. It's a life of sacrifice. It's a life of giving up some things. It's a life of paying a price. It's a life of, you know, sacrifice also means that what you want and desire, you give it up. What you like, what is precious to you, you sacrifice it. What is painful to you, you are ready to give it up for the Lord. So it tells me that the first thing for faith is a life of sacrifice. Sacrifice can be in different ways. You can give God a sacrifice of praise also. You can give him a sacrifice of uh, money. You can give him a sacrifice of anything. But as a believer, the first thing that you have to understand, if you're going to walk in faith, is sacrifice. 
a life of sacrifice. There must be some things you give up, just like when we become Christians. There must be some things that we give up. That we like it, but you know God doesn't want it. One of it for me was drinking. You understand? I had to. So there are things that I would like to do, but I know I can't do them again. That just like that song says, there are things I used to do, I do them no more. There has been a great change since I was born again. Amen. You don't know that. I mean, maybe it's an old spiritual for us. <laughs> Let's go to the next verse. Let's go to the next verse. Then the next person they mentioned was this man called Enoch. Please follow me. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. Everybody say, so that he did not see death. You know, that's a whole sermon. That's, that's just a whole sermon. You know, what simply means is that everybody born of a woman must see death. You agree with me? So, he did not see what other people saw. Why? Because of his faith. And then, look at what it was said. They said, and it was not found because God had taken it. For before it was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. That is, that is his life. Please God. So listen to me. A lot of times, as we as believers, we're talking about faith. We as believers, we always believe. And I'm guilty of what I'm about to say. That there are times when you hear a story about something. So they said you have cancer. Immediately you lose. But I have my elder sister. She used, she passed out here in New York. She died of cancer some years ago. My immediate senior sister and my only full-blooded uh, person. She died some years ago. I tell people it wasn't cancer, and I, I know your pastor knows. You know, I, I, I said it wasn't the cancer that killed her. What killed her was the news of the cancer. Because she died, after, she died less than three, about three weeks after she was diagnosed. Cancer, cancer doesn't kill that fast. But that news, because she had not lost weight, nothing has happened. She looked exactly the way she looked by the time she died. Just the news of it is what killed her. And that's what people don't understand what hope is. That we come to church, we get hope. Hope is priceless. I've seen people lose their life because they don't have hope. Just, she lost hope, though she was a pastor. And that's what I believe killed her. Here, listen to what he said. Here. Because God, because he, had, he was taken, sorry, before he was taken, he had this testimony that his life pleased God. So, because his life was pleasing to God, what happens to everybody? God didn't allow it to happen to you. So, like I was saying about the, about the cancer and about a lot of things that happen. So, when we in a situation, we always believe, hmm, this is what happened to this person. It has happened to me. No. The fact that it has happened to everybody, God can make exception for you. And I'm not just saying that. Listen to me. Nobody knew the Red Sea could part. Until the children of Israel got there. Until there was a demand for you to part. Nobody knew you could part. You can always, God can always make exception for those who live by faith. How do you live by faith? For those who believe in his word and stand upon his word. The Bible says that his life was pleasing. Let's look at the next verse. We read this separately, but it's a continuation of this. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Don't forget they talked about him that his life was please the Lord. So it's a continuation of his saying, but without faith, it is impossible. So he tells us that Enoch lived a life of what? Of faith. 
and his life pleased the Lord. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. There is no doubt in your heart about his existence. There is no doubt in your life that there is no variableness with him. There is no doubt in your heart that whatever God says he will do, he will do it. In spite of any situation. And so here the Bible says that must believe that he is and is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So he's talking about this Enoch. So he didn't just favor Enoch. Enoch played his part. And because he played his part, God made sure that what other people got, he didn't get it. Listen to me. When you walk in faith, you don't use other people for your measurement. You use yourself and God for your measurement. And you say that, you, because you, let me tell you this, the people you are using, for example, you don't know the level of their faith. You don't know what they did. You don't know anything about them. So you must never say, because evil happened to somebody, then the devil tells you, it's your turn. It's not your turn. In the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what happens to everybody doesn't have to happen to you. This is what he tells us. And what did he do? He lived the life of faith. So the first person lived the life of sacrifice. And that, you know, I'm just rushing because of time. Because that's like, that one is a whole sermon. Each of them is a whole sermon. And I'm not joking. I preach each of them as a whole sermon. But the second man here, he walked with God. W-A-L-K. So he tells us that the second stage, after you've sacrificed, the next thing is to walk for him. Sorry, is to walk with him. Let's look at the third person. Continue. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet said, move with fear, which they say there's no rain before that time. So, a lot of the times, God can promise you something. It might not never have been seen, but it does not mean that God cannot start also with you. So, move by godly fear. Godly fear is not fear. It is honor and respect for God. That's what they mean by godly fear. It's respect and honor for who God is. And the, he prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world, and he became here of righteousness according to faith. You know, one of the things we have to understand is that he prepared an ark. The rain came, the flood came. The same flood that sank the people, that the people perished, was the same flood that raised him in the hack to safety. You get that one on Wednesday morning. So what normally happens is this, is that it doesn't matter what happened to other people. God can turn it into reverse that what perished other people can be the same thing that will raise you to safety. You've got to understand that. Now, the third person, because of time, the third person did what? He worked for God, W-O-R-K. The first one sacrificed, the second one walked, then the third one did what? Walk. It tells me that one of the three fundamentals is that when we get saved, we give up a whole lot of things. We make a life of sacrifice. The next thing is we will walk with him. Then the third thing is we walk for him. So no born again Christian who says I've given a life of sacrifice can say which Normally, after that, what you should do is to walk with God. That's what you should do after you accept him. But the next thing you have to do after that, you have to walk for him. 
You have to work for him. Don't tell me you're a believer, you don't work. You don't have any place for you to work. You've got to look for where to work for the Lord. The gift he gave to you is for his purpose. That's the first reason why he gave it to you. You are like a pipe that water passes. You will always get wet. So you are a pipe for God. So in blessing you, you will always get, in passing that water through you, you will always get blessed. Because you will continue to wear. But the reason for it, and the reason for that water, is for one reason. is for you to be a blessing. And blessing to him and to his kingdom. Find something in the kingdom of God, where the influence of God is. Find something you can do for him. You must find something. Oh, can all of us be workers? All of us plus one can be workers. All of us. Everybody can be a worker. We don't have enough workers. We still have a need. There's always need in church. Even if there is no other place, evangelism. <laughs> he that winner the soul is wise. So get some wisdom into your life. Go into evangelism. All right, let's go on. So the first one is what? A life of sacrifice. Second one is what? Walking with him. Third one is working for him. So these are the three fundamentals that you cannot avoid if you are going to say you have faith. Because in working with him, you will be knowing him more. In working for him, you will be seeing the dynamics of the kingdom of God and how things operate. Are you here with me? In living a life of sacrifice, your life is pleasing him more. You are denying yourself. You are, telling the, you are telling everybody that the life I live now is a completely different thing. Like Paul said, I'm a changed person. I'm a completely changed person. I, what I used to do, I don't do them. I was a child, I behaved like a child. Now I am old. I've left childish things. So I am changed. Amen? Let's go on. Look at this. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out into a place that he would receive an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. Faith doesn't have to know the whole picture. All he has to know is the instruction. A whole lot of times, if your pastor is going to confess, we look at this place and the beauty of this place, but I'm telling you, you must have had a whole lot of down times. You must have had times, God, did you call me? Because if God showed us the whole picture, and the challenges, and how people are supposed to on us, are we going to gossip and say a lot of things about us? We will never even go on the journey. So, Abraham, all he had is go. That's what faith is. You will never know the full picture, but you know who sent you. And based upon who sent you, you step out in faith. Let me tell you this. If you know the whole picture, it's not faith. You don't, that's not faith. Let me tell you this. When everything is going on well, <laughs> even the evening, we believe in God. The challenge is when it's not going on well. And you know what you had, so you keep going in spite of. So Abraham didn't know, but he believed God. And based upon it, no wonder God honored him. The Bible tells us that he did not stagger in faith. Like John the Baptist. John the Baptist staggered in faith. Because when he was in the prison and when challenges came into his life, the next thing we found out was that he said, are you the one or should we look for another one? Because all of a sudden, challenges come. 
What he believed and what he used his whole life, uh, adult life for, he doubted it in the midst of challenges. He was in prison. A lot of times we are not in physical prison, but we are in the prison of life. We have challenges. We seem boxed in on every area. It seems that life is not going the way we, we think it. We ask that question, God, are you there? Are you really there? Is this thing really working? But faith doesn't say that. Faith keeps going on in spite of whatever you are going through. So, Abraham didn't know where he was going. But guess what? The Bible says that he obeyed. Continue, please. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country. <laughs> Dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob. They hears with him of the same promise. Continue. Please, just note what I'm reading. Continue, please. For you waited for a city which has foundation and which builder and maker is God. All right. Let me just try and <laughs> summarize this. This tells us that not every city has foundation. This also tells us that not every city is God the builder of. Because it says, for he waited for the city that has foundation. Whose builder and maker is God. So, not every city is God the builder. If we look at the previous verse, look at the previous verse. Let's read verse 9 again. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents. Everybody say dwelling in tents. With Isaac and Jacob. All right, go to verse 10, and then we'll go to 11. All right, go to verse 11. Uh, go on. Uh, go on. Um, this all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrim on earth. The next verse. For those who say such things, declare plainly that they seek a homeland. Verse 15. Everybody say, and truly. Everybody say, and truly. He says, and truly, if they had called to mind that country from where they came out, they would have had an opportunity to return. Pastor, you go give me another extra for a few minutes. Let me share this. The Bible says this. He was living in tent. Everybody say tent. In your walk of faith, you will always live in a tent situation. A tent situation is a temporary situation. You will always live in a tent situation. For you as a believer... And if you are not there, you will get there. And that's why this Bible, say, this passage says, and truly, every believer who is operating in faith must get to the place of what? And truly. A crossroad where they will feel like going back. They will always come back. Where you will say, I thought they said as a believer, it was going to be easier for me. You will always get to the junction of and truly. Let me backtrack. The Bible says they were living in tent, in a temporary situation. They were living in the Mediterranean at that time. Where cold at night, hot during the day, and all kinds of weather. Where it can be very windy at times. And when you live in a tent situation, the wind can come and takes away the tent. But guess what? You reach out for the tent and you put it back. Because you know that this 
It's a tense situation. It's a temporary situation. The problem is that we give up in our tense situation. Abraham didn't give up. He was living in the place of promise, but yet he was in a tent. Listen, he came from, help me God, listen to this. He came from a permanent situation. God called him out of permanency. That's where God called him out of. Because the Bible tells us, it's not the Bible, theologians tells us that his father was a pagan priest. So they must have had an altar. They must have had things that he would have inherited. But God called him out of a permanent situation, out of his comfort zone. God called him, taking him to a permanent place. He says, I have something for you. A land that is flowing with me can learn A land of Eldorado. This is what I'm going to give to your inheritance. And so he believed God. Not knowing where the land is, but he stepped out, going for a permanent thing. So he left permanency. Now came to a temporary situation, believing in God for a permanent thing. You get that one toss the money. Many of us as believers will always go through this when God calls us. He calls us out to bring us in. But the question for us is that whether we will believe in him in spite of the tense situation where you are. And that's why the Bible says that. And truly, they have considered the permanent situation where they came out from. They will have given up. That's what they say. Sir. And truly, if they have called to mind that country from where they came out from, they will have had the opportunity to return. Every one of us in our journey of faith, we will always have times of frustrations and challenges where we feel like giving up. We, it will happen to us. It's part of the plan. Whether faith is <laughs> like currency in the bank that when it's not used, that's our faith that is not used. That's the way it is. It's in the bank, but you can't use it. It's a currency of the kingdom. And so, it must be used. Faith must be tested. If faith is not tested, you will never know whether you have faith. You will never know. And so, he was in a tense situation. And I like this. He was in a tense situation. <laughs> he was in a temporary situation. But yet, he was looking for a city that had foundation and whose maker and builder is God. Most of the time when you are in a tense situation, guess what? You are what? Desperate. You are desperate. He wasn't desperate because he knew who called him. He didn't take any decision without hearing from the one who called him. Because the tense situation, he was still going from one city to the other and looking, is God the builder of this? You know, this Sodom and Gomorrah, God's not the builder of it. This one, God is not in it. It's the same thing for a lot of young ladies. You need to ask yourself <laughs> whether that man you are hanging out with, God is the maker and the builder of him. You've got to ask yourself. Is God the builder of that man? How do you know? There are principles that will make you know. That's why he says that he was looking for the city <laughs> that has foundation. What is the foundation of that man? What is the foundation? What does the foundation mean? What is his belief system? What does he believe in? Where is he going? What are his ideals about life? What is his character? Who is he when nobody is there? Those are the things you should be looking out for. A guy that has foundation. Those of you who are married, you are there already, so we can't do anything about that one. But for those of you who are yet to get married, these are the things that you must ask yourself. Is God the builder and the maker of this man or this woman before I tie myself into the person? 
You must look at it in your business. In anything you want to do, is God the builder of this business? Does this business have foundation? These people I want to join myself with, do they have foundations? Is God building these people that I'm joining myself with? Are you desperate that you don't think and value the things of God, the principles of God? But the Bible tells us that he was looking. He was in a temporary situation. He was in a desperate situation. And that's why the Bible says, and truly, if you consider the temporary situation you have, you will look for other means. You will look for other things that you will embrace. Are you here with me? Go on. Go on. Let me. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Continue, please. Whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. Everyone say that, please. In Isaac, your seed shall be called. All right, go on, verse 19. Concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. <laughs> There's a lot in that place, my God. Listen to what it says. You know, don't forget what faith is. It's an evidence of things not seen. It's the substance of things you are hoping for. The Bible says this. Look at this text that defines this man as a father of faith. There is nowhere in the Bible where we had that Abraham struggled to give up Isaac. When preachers say that they're just making it sweet, there's nothing like that. You can't support that from the Bible. It was not a struggle for him to give up Isaac at all. The Bible didn't say that. When God told him, he woke up the following day and said, let's go. That's what he did. Do you know why? The answer is here. This is why I said that you must know him. Because if you don't know him, you will give up. Abraham knew the Lord. So, the principle was very simple. It's the principle of, uh, of, uh, of demand. Of covenant, the principle of covenant demand. He knew he had a covenant with God. He says it in this passage. God had told him that in Isaac, that your, what? your seed will be. God had told him that. That's the word of God. And he knows that God is not a man that he will lie. So God told him, it is in this your seed shall be. If God said that to me, that's what Abraham must be thinking, then God will not kill the boy since my seed and my lineage and my uh, generation is tied to this boy. So he knew that that was the word of God. Oh my God! And so what happened here was that God now told him, give up this boy. Listen to what they said, concluding that God was going to raise him up. So he said, <laughs> to kill him, that's not a problem. I will kill him. But I'm going to tell you, raise him up. <laughs> that's it. And you know why? Because number one, it is settled in his heart what God has said. But that's not the only thing. He is settled in his mind what God can do. That God has the ability to raise that which is dead to quicken the dead. Is sure about it. So, killing the boy was not a struggle. Guess what he said? 
when we got to the place, he told his servants, he said, stay with the asses. Myself and the boy, we're going up to what? To sacrifice. And we will do what? Come back. He was assured that they were going to come back. It is a level of faith God expects you and me to know him that there is no shadow of variableness. And that forever, oh Lord, your word is settled. So you told me that my generation is linked to this boy. That's what you have said. I believe that word. You will not now change your mind about it. Oh, God. All right, let me, let me conclude. I'm not halfway, but Joshua 3, 15. Joshua 3, 15. We've got to understand that living and working with God can be confusing, but it's faith that keeps us going. It's faith in him. So anything can happen. You know what the Lord has said. And because you know what God has said, even in death, you can still ask God, this is not what you told me. And I know that you are true to your word. It's time for you to raise up this boy. Oh, there's still a lot in this. But let's look at let's look at Joshua chapter 3, verse 15. Let me conclude with this. Of course, you know, the one about Sarah, what Sarah said is so significant. Each of these verses, there is a sermon, I'm telling you. It's not that I'm saying it. I've preached each of them as a sermon, so I know what I'm talking about. Look at this one. Verse 15. And those that bore the hack, this was the children of Israel. They needed to cross Jordan. And it's interesting, let me give the summary of this, is that when they came out of Egypt and they got to the Red Sea. God told um, Moses, raise up the rod and the sea will part. Because they were just coming out of the kingdom of darkness. They were young believers. They were just having exposure to the power of Yahweh. So God told them, raise up this one and they passed. But now they've been in the wilderness and walked with him for 40 years. He has led them through the wilderness with the pillar of fire and the cloud. Their clothes were not changed. Their shoes were not worn. God had fed them for 40 years without taking an offering. And so there have been significant things that God has shown them about how powerful he was. Now they were looking at the promised land. The land of Eldorado, flowing with wick and honey. But between them is Jordan. So Jericho was the first city in the promised land. And when they got to the place, this is what happened. I just gave you background for this. And so God told them that this is what will happen. To cross this Jordan, no Moses is going to raise up anything. You've got to put your feet in it. And that's how the water we pass. Let's read the story. And those who bought the hack came to Jordan and the feet of the priest who bought the hack dipped in the edge of the water. Let's read the next thing together, please. For overflows all his bands during the whole time 
of harvest. Amazing. Amazing. God decided that they were going to cross Jordan. You know, God is just God by himself. They were going to cross Jordan at the time when Jordan overflows his bank. Another translation says it was a flood. It was the time of the flood. Do you know why that is difficult? That's why you need faith. You know, when you know the bank of a river, you know how deep it is. You know where it starts to sloping. But when it's flooded, you don't know where the, 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 the bank is. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Please follow me. You don't know. That is the time when God said to them, this is the time for you to cross. The question is, how do you know how deep it is? They've never been to the river before. How do you know? It's faith. I'm believing in God that what he has promised you on the other side of Jordan, he was going to give it to you. And that this flood was not going to take you because the time he asked them to, uh, to cross was the time of flood. Flood is a wild water. It carries debris. And when something is flooded, the water is not clear. It's not clear. So, because if it was not flooded, and you know the banks, you can see how deep it is. But it brought them to cross it at the time when they will never know the depth, but they have to believe in his word. Look at the next thing. <clears throat> and the waters which came down from upstream stood still. You have to go and read this later on for you to understand it sincerely. And rose in a heap. Everybody say very far. Please say very far. Very far in Adam, the city that is beside Zeratan. So the waters that went down into the sea of Araba, the source it filled and were cut off and the people crossed over opposite Jordan. Or opposite Jericho. Let me tell you what happened. I don't know how this place is, but what happened is this. this let's assume that this is where they were going to cross. <laughs> God told them once they tried to cross the water will be cut off. If you read the, if you read the whole story, that when, we, when they dip their feet inside it, the water will be cut off. That's what God told them. This is the place where they were crossing. So the priest put their feet inside it. Everybody watching it and saying, the water will be cut off. They were going, believing that the water will be cut off. <laughs> but this story tells us that the water did not cut off where they were. The water cut off very far. 27 miles away was where the water cut off. Number one, what God said was true. But so when they dipped their legs inside the water, the water cut off, but not where they are. Because faith has nothing to do with what you see. <laughs> it has to do with what God has said. So, 27 miles of water was all that was flowing now because the water has been cut off. So, a whole lot of times, God says, the water is going to be cut off. You put your feet. Ah, what's going on? Then you put the second one. Ah, 
you look behind. Is this thing going to work? Then you put the next one. It's not. No, 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 no. You keep going. Because what is going to flow past is just that 27 miles of water. So you've got to keep going, though the water is still flowing. Many times, we expect and we pray, and we expect that things are going to happen immediately. But God had put the thing into operation. Where your eyes cannot see it, the question is that will you still believe in God? Or will you give up and say, this thing is not working? Like many of us say, well, you get, ah, this thing is not working. Don't forget, they don't know how deep it is. They don't know the depth of it. They don't know the banks of it. They don't know anything about it. The water was flooded at that time. That was when God chose that they should cross. I don't know who I've come to speak to today. It is faith that makes you keep walking in spite of what you can see. Knowing that God is true to his word. So if God says, this is what is going to happen, it has happened. The physical manifestation, you might not be able to see it. But in the spiritual realm, Something has been put in motion for what he has said. Forever, O Lord, your word is set you. So as you said it, he's not a man that he will lie. God does not repent about what he has said. And so, the people did what? They crossed. And if you read the rest of it, the Bible says that they crossed. And the priest, they were carrying the hack. They stood on dry ground. They were carrying the hack. What is in the hack? The commandments of God. The rod of Moses or Aaron that budded tells me that when you are going through whatever, the word of God must always be there. And then the testimony and the miracles of God must always be there. That is, you must remember something God has done before for you, which gives you continuous hope and gives you faith. Everybody knows something that God had done and has said and had done for you before that you can hold on to. Because that's what the priests used when they were going to cross into the place. You know, I end with this story. A young man was taken to a restaurant. And this boy had been used to, those of us who came from Africa can understand this, where we go to what we call our local canteen, our local restaurant, you understand? You see a fat woman outside and a big bowl of assorted meat. All manners of meat, the nose, the cow food, the tongue, and all the different parts of the instant signs, the liver, the lungs, all manners of things. And most of the time, the, the, food, the, the, the big bowl of meat, of assorted meat, is on fire. And so he's doing chok, 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 You know, it's just, it's just, you know, it's, it's just, it's because of fire, it's just, you know, And so, when you go to that place, this is what happens. You look at it, and thank you, you point to it. Uh, uh, no, no, not that one. Do you want, uh, yeah, that one. Uh, 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 oh, no. Uh, uh, you pick by what? Sight. That's how you pick. You pick by what? Sight. 
This same boy who was used to that is taken into a restaurant. He sits in the restaurant. So he gets into the restaurant. They say, wait to be seated. Ah. The boy is confused. Like most of us, we are confused at times. Because guess what? We are looking for that fat woman and that big bowl of steel. We can find it. So, but you are quiet. You are saying, all right, let's see what's going to happen here. And then they say, wait to be seated. Then they take you to your seat. The next thing that shocked you the most is that they handed you a book. You look at your dad and say, I thought you said we are here to eat. <laughs> I didn't know you were going to bring homework to the restaurant. <clears throat> and then they come. And when they come, what do they do? They ask you for your order. You are more confused. Your dad says, don't worry. Look at the thing. But when you look at it, some of the things are written in filet mignon. <laughs> Potato moussaka. Lasagna, yes. You, are, you, you can't even pronounce some of the names of this food, of what you are about to eat, or what they want to feed you with. You are completely confused. Just like most of us, when we handle the Bible, we are completely confused. We don't know what to do. We don't know where to start to read it. We don't have an understanding of it. But guess what happens? You've got, as I close, you've got to trust the cook you can see that he will bring the food that you order. Every time you ask God in prayer, believe that whatever you ask for, that God will do it. The fact that you cannot see him does not mean that he does not exist. And so for us as believers, my mad put mentality cannot work in the kingdom of God. I'm out of time. I'm not out of message. Heavenly Father, once again today we thank you. Thank you for all that you have done. Thank you for what you know you will do. To your name and the name alone be all of the glory. Lord, I have put the skeleton. Had the flesh to eat in their hearts. Lord, let it not be an exciting message. Let it be an appointment today with you. In the way they see things, let them see it differently. We walk by faith, not by sight. Because the things that we see by sight will pass away. Lord, today we submit ourselves. We believe in you. We trust in you. And I say, I don't know what the Lord has told you. God is true to his word. Don't give up in your tense situation. What he has said, he will do it. Pastor, give me one minute. Please, put back Hebrews 11 for me. Hebrews 11. Because what do you do? I'm, I'm supposed to have said that, but please, let me, I just say this, please. Right. Hebrews 11, I think verse, where, where, the last verse we read was what, 17 or what? All right. Um, <clears throat> no, no, no go, go, go to what? 18, go to 18, let me see 18. Uh, all right, 19. Uh, no, no, before then, maybe you should go to 16, where you talked about they embraced it. Huh? All right, 13. All right, listen. What do you do when you are in the midst of confusion? You don't understand. Three principles here, and you can go and meditate upon this later. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, 
But look at what they said. But having seen them afar off, they were number one, assured. Number two, they embraced. Number three, they confessed. Those are three principles that you do. Number one, the first thing they said is that they were assured. They were convinced beyond any doubt. Because if you are not convinced, you know, another translation says they embraced. Embrace means they held on to that word tenaciously. That's it. Holding on to it. So the first thing is that you must be assured of it. You will never embrace what you are not assured of. You will never hold on to what you are not convinced about. But you must be convinced about it. That's the first word. Assured. Convinced. Then you will embrace it. And then you what? You continue to confess it. That I know my Redeemer liveth. Though he slay me, I know he has not forgotten me. I know that whatever he has said, he will say, he will do. My strength is as strong as the honor of the unicorn. You confess his word to him. He said, bring into my remembrance my word. So you continue to do that. That's what you do when you are in a tense situation. Three things. First one is what? Convinced or assured. Second one is what? Embrace. The third one is? God bless you. I'm out of time.